When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hollywood, California, the Lux Radio Theater presents Della Dallas with Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, Anne Shirley, and Barbara O'Neill. Lux presents Hollywood. It is your loyalty to Lux Toilet Soap that makes this program possible, which tonight stars Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, Anne Shirley, and Barbara O'Neill in Samuel Goldwyn's superlative screen production, Stella Dallas. You will also hear T. Keith Lennon, operations manager of Paramount Studios, and music under the direction of Louis Silvers. And now, the producer of the Lux Radio Theater, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. With this presentation, the Lux Radio Theater becomes three years old. During this week in 1934, we first went on the air. And by coincidence, John Bowles was our leading man then, as he is tonight. For our stars, as well as for us, the past year has been an outstanding one. It's been Mr. Bowles' busiest and most successful year on the screen. Anne Shirley has acquired stardom and a husband. And Barbara Stanwyck has at last come into her own, through her magnificent performance as Stella Dallas, which she repeats tonight. I know of no one in Hollywood who merits success more than Barbara. Born in a poor section of Brooklyn, she lost both parents while still a child. Living with ten different families, whichever would take her in, she never knew what a home was. At 13, she was earning her own living as a clerk. Two years later, she was a dancer. And her first glimpse of success came with a stage role from David Belasco, who changed her name from Ruby Stevens to Barbara Stanwyck. Now on top... Barbara can at last indulge a lifelong ambition. She's purchased a farm in the San Fernando Valley and will spend her off-screen life raising horses. Our story was written 15 years ago by Olive Higgins Prouty and was brought to the screen by my partner of 25 years ago, Samuel Goldwyn. As in the film, we hear Mr. Bowles as Stella Dallas, as Stephen Dallas, Anne Shirley as Laurel, Barbara O'Neill as Helen Morrison, and, of course, Barbara Stanwyck as Stella Dallas. And now one of the year's greatest pictures comes to the air. The Lux Radio Theater presents Stella Dallas with Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, and Anne Shirley. The year is 1919, and our scene is Main Street in the little manufacturing town of Millhampton, Massachusetts. It's 10 o'clock Sunday evening, and the picture at the Bijou Movie Palace has just finished. In the crowd, drifting out through the lobby, is Stephen Dallas, assistant manager of the town's factory. And at his side, walking as close to him as she dares, is Stella Martin. Stella looks happy and very proud as the mill hands greet their young executive. 
Evening, Joe. Hello, boss. How are you, Harry? How do, Mr. Dallas? Hello, Stella. Hello. That's the second time this week I phoned together in the drugstore the other night. You mind your own business. Oh, dear. I'm sorry, Mr. Dallas. Oh, come on now. You've got to get home. Do you mind our being talked about, Stella? Mind? I mind? Oh, no, it's just that... Well, I I can't believe you like seeing me when you could be out with all this world. Oh, but I want to be with you. I like being with you. Oh, could I, uh, uh, could I take your arm? I mean, is that all right? Is that considered... Well, a... of course it is. <laughs> oh, I, I hope you don't mind my asking those things. It's, it's just that I want to be like all the people you've been around. Educated, you know, and, and speaking nice, and then I... Ah, now, don't be like anyone else. I like you the way you are. Oh, but I've wanted to be different ever since I met you, and if, if I was around you long enough, I could be. Why, well, I could learn to talk like you and act like you, and pretty soon I... Well, you know, you, you've done a lot for me, even in these couple of weeks. You've done a lot for me, too, Stella. I was very lonely the day you walked into my office. Lonely? Yes. I don't know how much you know about me, but... Oh, I, I know your society. I mean, you... Uh, you mean I used to be. Yes, and, and your father died. I, I read about it in the newspaper. Dad didn't die. He committed suicide, Stella. He went broke and he couldn't stand it. That's when I came here to start all over again. I guess that was in the papers, too. Mr. Dallas. Yes? That that girl, the one you were engaged to when... Yes? Wouldn't she wait for you? She would, if I'd let her. But I couldn't do that, could I? She was married uh, just two weeks ago. Oh. She must have been very lovely. Yes. Well, here we are. I, uh, I don't have to go in right away. Cigarette? No, no, thanks. I, I don't smoke and I don't drink either. Oh, you're a sweet, Stella. I was lonely and unhappy, then I... I'm not anymore, Stella. Stella. Oh, please, I... I shouldn't have. You won't have any respect for me. Not for girls who let men kiss them whenever they want. I... Oh, I don't let men... I mean, well, girls shouldn't unless they, well, unless they know the man is serious. Shall I tell you I am? Or shall I just kiss you again? Oh, Stephen. Millhampton girl. Gee, wouldn't you just know she'd hook the baby? Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Dallas were just admitted to membership in the River Club. <laughs> Flying kind of high. Congratulating the Stephen Dallases on the birth of a new baby girl. Well, the popular new manager and Stella Martin were married a year ago. Like, let me see who. Oh, let the nurse take her inside, Agnes. You'll have plenty of time for that later on. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. This your way, Miss Nurse. Sit down, honey. Oh, gosh. Home never looks so good to me. Oh, poor Stella. Oh, I didn't mind it. It was just a hospital got on my nerves. 
And that darn doctor trying to make me stay another week. Oh, but Stella, he just thought it would be better Better for who? It was just to get your money. (laughs) Stephen, what's all this on the table? Mail, honey. You had a lot of friends who wanted to congratulate you. Oh, Stephen, why didn't you bring them to me? The days wouldn't have seemed half so long. Oh, gosh, and I thought everybody had forgotten me. Stephen. Yeah? Look at this, an invitation to a dance at the River Club tomorrow night. I, um... I think I can wear my blue dress. I'll let it out a little at the top now, and then Stella, I'll... you don't want to go dancing already. Oh, why not? Before I went to the hospital, I was stuck in this house for four solid months without going anywhere. And we just got into the river club. All my life, I've just about died to go to the real places and get in with the right crowd. And just when I get a chance and get started, I have to give it all up. Oh, we'll go next time. Well, I don't want to go next time. I want to go this time. Oh, Stephen, I won't dance much, I promise. Gee, I, I just want to get a wave and a manicure and, and get all dressed up again and, and go hear some music and forget all about doctors and hospitals and nurses. And uh, babies? No, but... Oh, Stephen, please. Now, Stella. Oh, please. Who is that dancing with Mrs. Stella, Stephen? I, I really don't know. He's very good. Who is he, Joyce? His name is Munn. He has something to do with phosphates. The girls invite him over for golf, and he gives them tips. Oh, indeed. Why, you're a wonderful dancer, Mr. Munn. (laughs) Well, if I'm any judge of horseflesh, you don't take a mean leg yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Say, how did you come to get hooked up to that crowd at your table? Oh, there's some business friend of my husband. Business friend? Uh Uh-huh. What is he, an undertaker? (laughs) (laughs) Say, Stella... Why don't you get him to ditch that bunch of mossbacks and come over and join us? Spencer Chandler's table? Why, we don't even know it. Well, that won't take long. Do you know what he said after our first dance? No, what? He said, Ed, he always calls me Ed. Uh-huh. He said, Ed, you can pick winners on a dance floor better than you can at a racetrack. Yeah? Oh, go on. Don't red apple me. Oh, no, on the level. Come on, I'll prove it oh, to wait, you. Oh, wait, wait. I'd have to ask Stephen first. Oh, forget it. Hey, Spence. Sit down, man. Spence, I want you to meet a friend of mine. Stella, Mr. Chandler, Mrs. Dallas. How do you do? How do you do? Say, Spence, I want you to prove something to her for me. Didn't you say I could pick them on a dance floor as good as I can on the track? Uh, yes, uh, but I wouldn't feel too flattered, Mrs. Ellis. Mun hasn't given me a winner in over a month. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you sit down? Thank you. <laughs> what would you rather dance? Why, yes, yes, I guess I would. Fine. Well, Stella, Stella. Oh, Stephen, come here, come here. Uh, Stephen, this is Mr. Mun. Pleased to meet you. And Mr. Spencer Chandler. How do you do? How do you do? Mr. Chandler just asked me to dance. You don't mind. I'm sorry, Mr. Chandler. My wife's just out of the hospital. She ought to be home in bed. And that's where she's going. Oh, oh, well, um, uh, we'll hurry then. Come on, Mr. Chandler. Stella, Stella. Hey, Dallas, you wouldn't like to sit down and have a little snifter, would you? No, no, thank you. Go ahead, dear. Thank you. Well, you can start the lecture now that we're home. What have I done this time? Go ahead, begin. Stella, I asked you not to wear those earrings and that cheap imitation necklace. You took them off, your greed, and after we got there, you came out of the dressing room... Now, Stephen, I'm perfectly willing to let you tell me how to act, but please don't give me pointers on how to dress. Allow me at least to know more about one thing than you do. After all, I, uh, well, I've always been known to have stacks of style. You sure have heard Ed Munn, and he's been around a bit, too. He's traveled further, and he's... Well... All right, then, Father, whichever it is, I don't care. 
Gosh, I have to think twice every time I open my mouth. And Spencer Chandler didn't seem to have to turn the other way either. And he only happens to be one of the Chandlers. Stella, please, don't say things like that. Remember, you're my wife now. Oh, and can't look at another man. That isn't the point at all. Oh, that's a laugh. An affair between Spencer Chandler and I. Well, I am coming up in the world. Stella, won't you try to understand? The fake jury is not important. None of these things matter in themselves. But what's to become of us? That is important. Yes, Stephen. Stella, why did you marry me? Oh, because I was crazy about you, silly, and I... I still am, only... Well, only you just don't seem to ever... Once, a long time ago, you said you were crazy to learn everything, become someone, didn't you? Yes, Stephen. Please listen to me. I'm only telling you this because I love you. Stella, the firm wants to send me to New York to handle the sales department there. I want to go, and I want to take you with me. But I want you to make an effort. I want you to try to be, well, what you wanted to be. Give up a few things for me and try to adapt yourself. Adapt myself? Give up a few things? Well, what have I been doing ever since I met you? And I'm getting a little sick of it, too. How would it be for you to do a little adapting for a change? I don't see you giving up anything. And I'll tell you one more thing. I'm not going to New York. I'm certainly not going to leave here just when I'm beginning to get in with the right people. Now, Stella... You go on and go to New York. I'm going to stay here. Myself. She sure is getting big. You too. Isn't she? You know, Carrie, I used to think girls at the mill were crazy when they got married and right off the bat started having kids. But Aunt Stella, would you want any more? Sure, if I could have another one like her. Gee, she's been a regular pal to me. You know, since Stephen's been away in New York so much, I, well, I hardly know I have a husband. Why, he's only been home three times this summer. And then it was only on account of her. He's crazy about her. And who wouldn't be? Now, who's that? Edna? Oh, where is that girl? All right, all right. Hi! Why, Ed Mon! Well, is that all the welcome I get? Ed, of all people! Gosh, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you. Come in, come on in. Thanks. Stella, this is my friend Charlie. You remember Charlie. Yeah, how are you? Hi. Come on inside. Hey, Carrie, look who's here. Well, for hell. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Carrie. Hello, Ed. Hello, Charlie. Hi. Well, will you get a load of that kid? Has she grown or am I crazy? Oh, Lolly, darling. You remember Uncle Ed, don't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you. You want something to drink, Ed? Sure, sure. And if you don't mind, I'll peel this coat. Yeah, go ahead. You still play the piano, Charlie? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, where have you been hiding still? I haven't seen you. Oh, gosh, Ed, I haven't been out of this house for two months. Huh? You been sick? No, but... Oh, I don't know. I don't seem to get any fun out of a good time anymore. All the time I'm out, I'm, I'm thinking of her and what she's doing and how soon I can get back to her. Well, here's hoping I'll always be around at the right time. Oh. <laughs> Say, can I pick the kid up? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, ho, ho. Come on, dear Uncle Ed. That's a girl. Oh, come on. Yeah. Well, what's the matter? Ain't you got a great big smile? Oh, Uncle Ed. Come on, darling. Smile for Uncle Ed. Yeah. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stella. Um, 
Oh, you remember Mr. Munn. Uh, how do you do? And, and Carrie Jenkins? Oh, how do you do? Uh, how do you do? Well, I, I, I think I'll be getting along. Oh, all right. That's a fine baby you got there, Mr. Dallas. Thank you, I think so. I, uh... Well, I, I gotta be going too, eh? Uh, me, me too. Just a minute, I'll see you to the door. Forget it, forget it. We won't get lost. Well, so long, Stella. Bye, Stella. Bye. Bye, Mister. Well, Stephen, sit down. Stella, I can't have our child living this way. Oh, what's wrong this time? It's not just this time. It's every time I come. What do you mean? Because there was a couple of drinks. Well, what's wrong with that? Coming in here with that icebergy way of yours. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude, but. She's my child, too, and I won't have this. I haven't wanted to take Laurel away from you, but if take you... Take her away from me? What are you talking about? Here, darling, come to your daddy. How dare you say such a thing? Give it to me. Stop. Give it to me, I say. Stella, please, you mustn't do this. Get out of here. Stella. Get out, get out, I say. Oh, did he frighten Mommy's little girl? Don't you cry. Mommy's right here. Oh, he won't let anybody hurt you. Yes. Oh, darling. You're here with Mommy, and... Nobody in the whole world is ever going to take you away. Nobody. Nobody. Before continuing with Act Two of our play here in the Lux Radio Theater, let's drop in for a moment at the publicity office out at one of the major studios. A publicity man is in conference with a very charming young lady, one of Hollywood's leading fashion editors. You mean girls are going to look more girlish than boys this year? Yes, that's it exactly. For instance, they're using richer furs, and the lines of coats and dresses flow more. They're more graceful. The whole idea is to create a softer effect. Oh, I think that's a lot of rot. Men don't want women to be soft anymore. They want them to be able to take it. <laughs> that may be so, but they do want them to look soft. They want women to wear pretty clothes keep their hair nicely waved, and to have lovely, soft skin. You men are very demanding, you know. You're certainly right on complexion. I saw a woman around here yesterday. She had beautiful clothes. Even the hat wasn't bad. But I couldn't go for that complexion. I feel awfully sorry for a woman like that. If she'd only known about Lux toilet soap. You hear plenty about Lux soap around here. Most all our stars use it. Evidently, you think it's pretty good, too. I certainly do. It's the best way I know of to guard against cosmetic skin. You know, actually, lots of women ruin their own looks. They don't remove dirt and stale cosmetics from their pores thoroughly. Well, we use that soap out home. You know, it works up a swell lather, even in hard water. I know, and it's an active lather that keeps pores from getting choked. And if nine out of ten screen stars say that, well, that's the way to keep your complexion soft and lovely. That's all the recommendation I need to use Lux Toilet Soap, too. Now, Mr. DeMille. We continue Stella Dallas, starring Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, Anne Shirley, and Barbara O'Neill. Twelve years have passed, during which Stephen Dallas and Stella have been living apart. A few days before Laurel's 13th birthday, Stephen is standing at the book counter of a New York department store. Nearby, a well-dressed woman and her three small sons are examining the contents of the toy counter. The woman is Helen Morrison, the girl to whom Stephen was once engaged. She turns toward him suddenly, and their eyes meet with a look of pleased recognition. Stephen! Helen! Oh, Stephen! I'm so glad to see you. Oh, and you. Oh, boys, come here, come, please. Stephen, 
these are my sons. How do you do, young gentleman? How do you do? Oh, uh, this is Mr. Dallas, whom your mother has known for such a long time. John? How do you do? Lee? Lee? How do you do? And Cornelius. Cornelius? How do you do? Con. He doesn't like to be called Cornelius. I do, too. (laughs) It was my father's name. What? Oh, Con is the man of the family now. And he looks after us all so beautifully. His father would be very proud. That's splendid. Nothing but the finest care in the world would be good enough for your mother. Uh, But, Stephen, tell us about you. What are you doing here? Well, if you mean New York, I'm in business here. If you mean the store, I'm here buying birthday presents for my daughter. Your daughter? Mm -hmm. Oh, Stephen. Wait a minute. I have a picture here of her. Here it is. Oh. Oh, Oh, she's lovely. When may we meet her and her mother? uh, uh, they're not here. You see, Laurel goes to school up near Boston, and her mother spends all of her time with her. Oh. Oh, well, I have so many things to hear and to tell. Can you have lunch with us? Well, I should be back at the office by now. Oh. We'd be glad to have you, Mr. Dallas, if you don't mind carrying your own tray. <laughs> John's been saving up for a whole month in order to take us out for lunch. Really? It's his treat. How about it, Mr. Dallas? Yes, Steve. Well, I guess I can't refuse an offer like that. No. Oh, Mr. Dallas! Come on, fellas. If you run short, John, I'll lend you a couple of dollars. Keep Now, don't mash the ruffles. Stand still so I can fit it to you. Oh, I love the color. It's a beautiful dress, Mommy. Yeah. Now, oh, I forgot. This goes here on the waist. Flowers? Oh, no. Oh, yes. It gives it some snap. Oh, please. Oh, Lolly, for heaven's sake, you're just like your father. You want everything as plain as an old shoe. Plain with all these beautiful handmade ruffles. Oh, just you wait till Dad sees them. He always notices my dresses. Yeah? Oh, what did he say in his letter? Anything? Just that he's expecting me during vacation. And we're going to have more fun than last time, he says, because we're going visiting. Where? Oh, I guess you know her, too, an old friend. Mrs. Morrison. Morrison? You do know her. Not me. Uh, take off the dress and let me get a work on it. Watch out for the pin. Come on, now. Pull it over your head. Ooh, what's going on in there? Come on in, Ed. No, Mother, wait till I oh, get out. Oh, Molly. Say, what is this? The Polly's dressing Mother, room? Mother, please. Oh, what's the matter? You shouldn't see me like this. Oh, for heaven's sake, Ed's known you since you were knee-high. Yeah, and even less than that. Now, what have you got to hide from your Uncle Ed? Come on, give us a kiss. Mother, make him stop, oh, please. Stop. Come on, now. Come on. No, let me oh, alone. Let me alone. Oh, <laughs> oh Ed, I wish you wouldn't tease her like that. You know she don't like you. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I get a kick out of a young one being so finicky. Well... <laughs> Is your car downstairs? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. It's in the shop. Why? Oh, I wanted to go to town. I wanted to get the decorations for Laurel's party. Well, why not go in on a train? I'll tell you. We'll take the kids to your show and have dinner. No, no. I don't want her to know what I'm getting. Oh, I see. Well, I guess I could show you a better time without her. Eh. <laughs> could get me going anymore. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess Lolly just uses up all the feelings I got, and I... Well, I, I don't seem to have any left for anybody else. 
You got plenty for me, Stella. Why can't we go on as we are? Gosh, I, I don't know what I'd have done without you some of the times when Lolly was back with Stephen. You're, you're such a good sport and, and such a lot of fun, but... Uh, I guess you know what you're doing. I guess I do, Ed. The car's waiting, Laurel. I'm ready. Let me have Laurel's bag, John. You'll drop it. I will oh, not. Don't argue, John. She'll miss her train. Oh, goodbye, Laurel. It's been fun, hasn't it? Oh, yes, Mrs. Martin. We'll be looking forward to your next visit. I've had such a lovely time. I don't know how to thank you. Oh. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye, Bye. Helen. Goodbye, Daddy, aren't they the nicest boys? I think so. How did you like Mrs. Morrison? I think she's the loveliest lady I ever knew. Do you, Laurel? Do you really? Oh, I mean... I mean, of course I mean except my mother. Good to have you home again. Oh, I missed you too, Mom. We'll leave the bag here for a while. Oh, Gladys will take it. Gladys? Oh, she's not here anymore. I let her go. Mother. Well, what did I need with a maid around? Ah, uh, Mommy, you shouldn't have. Besides, I was glad to have something to do to help pass the time away. You know what I did, Lolly? What? I saved enough money out of her wages to pay a deposit on a fur coat for you. Mother, you didn't. Uh-huh. Well, you're just going to get it right back. I don't want a fur coat, Mother. Besides, none of the girls I met at Mrs. Morrison's are allowed to have them yet. Oh, no? Uh-uh. Oh. Can I help you fix dinner, Mother? Oh, sure. Come on. I've got an apron. Say, um, tell me about this Mrs. Morrison. What's she like? Oh, Mother, she's lovely. She's, she's sort of, well, she reminds me of a flower that grows up in Maine. All pale and delicate. Strong, too. I don't know what you call it. Oh, gracious, Lolly. I don't care what kind of a flower she looks like. Is she tall or short, dark or light, fat or thin? How old is she? Well, she doesn't seem to be any special age. You know, she's like one of those goddesses in my mythology book that way. Oh, come on now. You can tell whether she's 20 or 40. Oh, she's not 40. No, no, well, I guess maybe she's about 25. Ah. And, um, how did your father happen to meet this goddess? Well, Mother, it's like a story. Con told me all about it. Con? Uh Uh-huh. Is that her husband? Oh, no, he's dead. That is he. Well, that's convenient. Oh, no, it isn't. It isn't a bit convenient. Because when Mr. Morrison died, he left a whole lot of houses and horses and lots of money and things. And Mrs. Morrison has to look out for them all by herself. You know, she said she wouldn't know what to do without Father to help her and advise her. Yeah, I can just imagine. Oh, I just remembered. I've got some snapshots of her. Oh, no, Lolly. I, I just want to look at you. Oh, but, Mommy, I want you to see her. She's so beautiful. Oh, Lolly. You'll be crazy about oh, it. Oh, not now, Lolly. We'll look at the snapshots after. one of me and Con. Yeah, hand me that bottle of hair bleach, will you? Here. And look, this. This is Mrs. Morrison. You know, the funny thing about her is she's not only beautiful when she's all dressed up, but even when she wakes up in the morning. Yeah. Well, with her money, she don't have to worry about her looks. Say, are those real pearls she's got slung around her neck? Mommy, look what you're doing. What? You're getting the bleach all over her picture. Oh, I didn't mean to, Lolly. I'm sorry. Oh, I... Give it to me. Oh, give it to me. Molly, I'm sorry. You're... Oh, Mother.
Daddy. Merry Christmas. Oh, Daddy, I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> oh. oh, please come in. Where's your mother? She's getting dressed. When she heard you were coming, she... Oh, here, let me take your coat. Now, wait a minute. This package is for you. Oh, thank you. I'll put it right under the tree. Hey, that's a beautiful tree, all right. And a very beautiful young lady. <laughs> Do you like my dress? Mother copied it from one we saw in the window of a shop in Boston. Mm-hmm. You can hardly tell the difference. It is pretty, isn't it? It was my best present. Oh, you... Till you came, Dad. You darling. Stephen. Well, Merry Christmas, Stella. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, Stephen. Oh, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you. Sit down. Thank you. The place looks awfully nice, Stella. You go to dinner with it? Well, darling, I I came to ask your mother a favor. Stella, I, I was wondering if you'd let me have Laurel for the holidays this time. I've never had a place for her before, but this time we have an invitation to spend it with the Morrison. Oh. Well, um... Would you like to go, Lolly? Yes. Oh, I mean, that is... Oh, uh, I, I think it would be lovely. Uh, when would you want us, Stephen? Well, my, my train leaves in an hour, Stella. I... I, I was hoping I could take her back with me. Today? Oh, no, not today. I couldn't, Father. Mother and I had something all planned. Well, yes, we did, but uh, we could do that any time. Um, well, uh, all right, come on. We'll have to hurry. You go and start packing your things, darling, and I'll be right in. Yes, Mother. She she won't be very long. Stella, I'm awfully sorry. Uh, I, well, when I see all you've done here and you did have plans... I didn't realize it. Oh, it wasn't anything, really. We we were just going to a show and, a, and dinner at the Bonton. Oh, this will be a real treat for us. Oh, it, it's been so long since I've seen you. How have you been? Well, thank you. And you? Oh, fine. That's good. It's too bad your train leaves so early. Stella, I, I've been thinking... I don't know why I didn't. It didn't occur to me before, but there's no earthly reason in the world why you should spend a day all alone just because I've been selfish and thoughtless. There must be a later train. Oh. Where's the telephone? Shall we call and see? Oh, yes. Please. The, the phone's out here in the hall. Let me see now. Well, here's the number. Beacon Hill 3700, please. Hey. Ed. I fooled you, didn't I? You put me out of the back way, and I went all the way around and came right in here. Oh, Ed. <laughs> you say, listen, just where is all this company that I'm being kicked out because of? Because I'm going to tell you this, I... Oh. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Dallas. I, I guess... Oh, gee, I, I'm sorry, Stella. I didn't mean to... to uh, I guess I... Well, I... I guess I'll go now, Mr. Dallas. He, uh... He had a little too much Christmas, I guess. He, he was here a little while ago and brought a turkey, and I, I, I had a terrible time getting rid of him. Uh, well, uh, uh, what did you find out about the train? Stella, I... I'm afraid it would be too late. Oh. Oh, I see. I'm already. Was that very long, Dad? Not at all, darling. Goodbye, Stella. I'll take good care of her. Goodbye, Stephen. Goodbye, Mother. Bye. Oh, thank you for letting me go. Merry Christmas, Mommy. 
Goodbye. Lolly. Oh, Lolly. moment, please. Excuse me. Yes? I got an appointment with a Mr. Morley, a lawyer. He wrote me. Stella Dallas. Oh, yes. This way, please. Mrs. Dallas, Mr. Morley. Oh, come in. Won't you sit down, please, Mrs. Dallas? Yeah. Mrs. Dallas, I wrote you a letter, and in it I stated... You don't have to tell me what you stated. Just tell me what you meant. Mrs. Dallas, it's only natural to suppose that you should wish to legalize your position. Legalize my position? Well, I've got our marriage license. Look here, Mr. Morley, what are you trying to give me? Your freedom. A divorce. Mr. Dallas feels, and I can readily understand why, that you might wish to remarry. Remarry? Listen, Mr. Morley, let's get down to brass tacks. I haven't the slightest idea of ever remarrying. Now, it, uh, it don't happen by any chance to be Mr. Dallas who wishes to remarry, does it? Well, uh, assuming for the moment that it does, surely you could have no objections. Your allowance would be the same. As a matter of fact, Mr. Dallas might even be able to increase the amount he's sending you. I don't want any increase. Let him keep it and let me keep my daughter. Mrs. Dallas. Mr. Dallas has no intention of any change regarding your daughter. Oh, he hasn't. Then what's he been trying to win her away for? Taking her to fine hotels, country places, townhouses, making her dissatisfied with the kind of things I've been giving her. Does he think I don't see what he's after? Well, he'll never get away with it, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to give her the same things. Everything her heart's been set on. Fine hotels, fancy friends. She's going to have them all. Only I'm going to give them to her and he's going to pay for them. And if he's got any extra increases, he can just hand them over. And if he don't, maybe I'll get a lawyer and bring in the name of that highfalutin widow. Oh, Mrs. I won't keep you any longer, Mr. Morley. Thank you very much. Just see that the check is mailed to the same place. That's all the benefits I want. <laughs> This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Between the scenes of Stella Dallas, we take our weekly glance into things intimately Hollywood. This week, we're going to catch a glimpse of the workings of a motion picture studio. As operations manager of Paramount, our guest is chief of a studio police force of 55 men. He supervises the building of scenery for every Paramount picture. He has charge of the restaurant where the stars eat and controls an army of 2,000 craftsmen representing 125 different trades. It's his business to see that a script girl gets a new pencil or Frank Lloyd an 1870 steam engine. He'll order the construction of a fleet of battleships one week and the erection of a carnival set the next. He's a practical magician who sees that studio ideas become realities. His name is T. Keith Glennon, and he talks to you now. Thanks, T.B., but there's one more job I do that you didn't mention, a job that makes me feel quite at home here. I've heard a lot of people from Paramount mention Lux Toilet Soap on this program but I'm the one who sees that it gets there, especially in the dressing room of the stars. And judging from what they tell me, it is certainly a remarkable soap. However, the real work at the studio isn't done by me. 
but by the army of 2,000 you mentioned. And the credit should go to the men who directly supervise the activities of these craftsmen. They can make or secure about everything a director can dream up. And believe me, when a director bears down, he can certainly do some dreaming. Now, that's why we have men like you, Keith, to make our dreams come true. Thanks. It's getting the unusual things done that make this job interesting. Like finding that locomotive? Exactly. Mr. Lloyd needed a genuine 1870 locomotive for Wells Fargo. We finally found what he wanted in Nevada. It hadn't been used for 13 years and was partly dismantled. We bought it, but that only started our problem. Yes, you could hardly wrap it up and send it home. Right. We had to get a license from the Interstate Commerce Commission, pass government tests, and secure another license permitting us to operate the engine for motion picture purposes. But without tracks, the engine didn't do us much good. So we made a deal with two railroad companies, each of which will operate it for us whenever we need it. It's seen only for a few moments in Wells Fargo, but I'd say our efforts were worthwhile, for already two other studios have rented it. Well, at least I haven't given you that much trouble with the Buccaneer. Oh, no? Instead of a train, all you asked for was a fleet of warships, a parrot that could talk French and a dog that could walk the plank, and a few other odds and ends that took us months to find. And if that aviator doesn't stop practicing skywriting above my set, I'm going to ask you for an anti-aircraft gun. We took care of that fellow this morning. Paramount, you see, is on a direct line with local airports, which means we can't stop planes from flying over the studio and ruining a certain amount of soundtrack. But a little persuasion with the flying field usually works. Planes don't bother us nearly as much as clouds. Last week, our weather experts reported the black cloud over Pasadena was heading our way and might spoil the light for Mr. DeMille. We warned Mr. DeMille, but it didn't faze him a bit. All he said was to hurry up and head the cloud off toward Long Beach. <laughs> and to my amazement, you did it. Yes, the only request we haven't been able to fill in recent weeks is that of W.C. Field. We had to supply him with a kitty car for the big broadcast of 1938, but we couldn't comply with his wish that we carve the wheels out of Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, Anne Shirley, and Barbara O'Neill in Stella Dallas. Determined to give her daughter everything her father could, Stella took Laurel to a fashionable summer hotel. But Stella's gaudy style and her unpolished manner soon became the subject of amused comment. Laurel asked to leave. On the night train bound for Boston, the unsuspecting Stella lies awake in a lower berth, listening to Laurel stirring restlessly above. Some girls from the hotel come in from the adjoining car. You know, we didn't think you were going to make the train at all. Did you have a blowout? Yes, I'm sleeping. I met Ethel. I can't get my breath. Here, sit down. I wanted to do what Ethel told me. Do you remember that funny-looking woman parading around the ground this afternoon? No, I didn't see her. Well, if you didn't see her... I just cried. Dress up to here and painted in shit. Really? Nails on her shoes that tinkled all the time. Nails? And bracelets up to her elbows. She never thought such a fight. Well, anyway... Do you know who she was? No. Tell us. Laurel Dallas's mother. Laurel oh. Dallas? Oh. I can't believe it. You mean that pretty little girl that they brought us in Russia? But are you sure? She seems so lovely and sweet. I know it. Isn't it weird to have such a common-looking creature for a mother? Poor thing. Poor nothing. She's wearing the Grosvenor fraternity. But you won't be wearing it long, I'll bet. Not when Mrs. Grosvenor hears about it. No. Your birth is ready, lady. Oh, thanks, Gordon. Sure. Hey, about it. Sleeping like a log. Oh, 
Oh, Mommy, it's so lonely up there. I want to come down here and cuddle with you. <laughs> sure, honey. Sure, darling. I'd, uh, I'd like to see Mrs. Morrison. What's it in reference to I couldn't to say it's private. I'd have to see Mrs. Morrison. Who is it, Brooke? Oh. Are... Are you Mrs. Morrison? Yes. I'm Stella Dallas. This is Stephen Dallas. Oh, uh, come in, please. We can talk in the library, Mrs. Dallas. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry to bother you in your home, but Won't I... Won't you sit down? No, no. What I have to say won't take very long. It's just that... Well, we may as well be comfortable. I, um... I know you must think it's funny me coming here like this. I, I'm not going to beat around the bush, but... What I want to know is if, uh... If Stephen was free... If... If I got a divorce like his lawyer wanted, would... Would you two get married? Yes, we would. Well, I'm sorry if it's unpleasant, but I'd rather that you knew the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what I wanted to know is if, uh, if you and Stephen did get married, uh, well, well, what about Laura? Would you take her, too? Oh, no, Mrs. Dallas. I'm a mother, too. Do you think that I could ever deprive another mother of her only little girl? Yeah, but if the mother didn't want her, I mean, I mean, if she couldn't very well have her, if... If it was inconvenient. Inconvenient? Yeah, you see, Lolly's growing up now, and she, uh, well, she's quite a responsibility. Well, I, I don't understand. Well, well, you see, it's this way. From now on, there's, there's lots of things Lolly ought to begin having. Oh, I don't mean money, but dances and parties, you know, good times. And really, I, well, I've never been much on that sort of thing, so I... I, I feel that I've done about all I can for, and I I thought that you being so crazy about her father and, and she taking after him so much that, well, if if you and Stephen got married, why, well, Lolly could come and live with you, and and your name being Mrs. Dallas, you see, why, why everybody would naturally think that she was. Well, they think she was your little girl, and. And when you went places, you see... Well, you see... You're the kind of a mother that any girl would be proud of. Oh, I, I didn't know anyone could be so unselfish. And I'll say one thing, Mrs. Morrison. You'd never be ashamed of Lolly, either. Everybody's just crazy about her. She... Well, she makes a wonderful impression. She, she's so refined and elegant in her ways, but... Oh, well, you already know that. Anyways... Anyway, she's she's crazy about you already. She oh, she don't talk as much as she used to, but that's because she thinks I'm jealous or something. And I I guess I was a little, but I'm not anymore. And you'll see, you'll see. In a little while, she'll in a little while she'll forget all about me, and it why well, it won't be any time before she loves you just. Just like you are her real mother. 
And, oh, Mrs. Morrison, she's so wonderful, you don't know. Oh, I do know. And I know that it hasn't come only from her father. I have to go now. Lolly doesn't know I've come, and I, I, I don't want her to yet. She's, she's awful funny underneath, and I, I thought it all out. It'll be better to... Well, to just let her come for the visit here like always, and by that time it'll all be over. The divorce, I mean, and, and then you can break it to her. It'll be easier that way. You ready for bed, Laura? Almost. Oh, it's been such a grand evening. I'm so excited. Oh, your father's coming up to kiss you goodnight. You know, I've never seen father so happy before. And you, dear. Are you happy? So very for you both. But I've been worrying and worrying about something. Why? What could possibly be worrying you? Well, I don't know what to call you. Oh, <laughs> oh that's all. I'm glad. Because I have something that I want to tell you. Which I, I hope will make you just as happy as it has me. From now on, Laurel... You're going to be one of us, really, dear. You're going to be a member of this family, like like Con and Lee and John. They're your brothers. And this is going to be your home as much as it is theirs. This my home? Yes, dear. You're going to live with us. Live here? Yeah, the house in town, wherever we are. Does it make you happy, Laurel? Oh, yes. It makes me very happy to know... to know that you want me because... Oh, I do love you all so very much. But I couldn't leave my mother. Oh, you won't be leaving her, Laurel. You visit her whenever you like. Oh, no, no, I couldn't. Thank you ever and ever so much, Mrs. I mean... Laurel, your mother, for your father, all of us who love you, feel that now that you're getting older, there are many advantages that we can give you. I know, I know, and I, I do thank you, but, but I'm sorry. Father. Yes, dear? Father, you don't mean you thought that I could ever live anywhere without mother. Well, darling, you, you lived without me. Your mother and I are just changing places for a while, that's all. Isn't it fair for me to have a little of what she's had all these years? But that's different, Father. You know it is. I've been with Mother all these years because I needed her, and now she needs me, and you need me less than ever. Oh, Laurel, don't say that. I'm sorry, Laurel, if, if you don't see that what we've planned is for your good. We thought it would make you happy. Your mother and I have decided upon what we thought would be best for you. My mother, does she know... We both feel that this should be your home for a while, at least. Oh, I'm sorry, Father, but please understand. My home will be with my mother as long as I live. No, darling. Stephen. Laurel, you don't understand, dear. This was all your mother's idea. She planned it herself. She came to see me and we talked it all over. My mother came to see you? Yes, dear. When did she come? Well, I don't know. Was it just after we got back from the hotel? Well, I believe it was. But... Oh, oh, my poor mother, my wonderful mother. Oh, she wasn't asleep. She heard what those girls said. Oh, I must go to her. I must go to her at once. Darling, tell us about oh, it. Oh, Danny, Danny, please help me. I can't make my visit here. I want to go to my mother. Don't, dear, don't. Yeah, that's right. We have a telegram for you. Shall I read it to you? Telegram? Yeah, read it, will you? It's from Helen Dallas. Helen Dallas. Oh, it yeah. says, Laurel is on her way back to you. 
When she was told your unselfish plan, she refused to accept it. She loves you very much. Oh. Will there be an answer to that? Huh? No, no, thanks. ever live anywhere except with you. Oh, I thought you'd like it for a while. Oh, really, you... You always seem to have such a good time with your father. Yes, but good times. Oh, they aren't what makes you belong. It's other kind of times. It's when you've cried together and, and when you've been through things together. Oh, that's when you seem to love the most. It's different when... But didn't they send the telegram? They said they would. Oh, most likely they tried to deliver it and I was out. I've been on the go ever since you left. Here, put these flowers in water for me. Oh, they're lovely. Yeah, from an old admirer. Ed Munn blew into town. I've been stepping out with him for a change. Ed Munn? Yeah, now put him in water. I want him all fixed nice when he gets here. Mommy. Well, are you going to do it or aren't you? You, you don't mean that you and Ed oh, Munn? Well, he'd give them to me. What's the matter with you? You stand there like you was watching a funeral or something. I got a couple of new records after you left. You want to hear them? Oh, boy, I don't like that one. Oh, Mommy, stop it! Molly, what did you do that for? Oh, Mommy, don't you remember? A long time ago, we said, and you promised about him. Oh, Molly, I know what you're driving at. Now, now, let me tell you something. I, Well, I've spent the best years of my life on you. A woman wants to be something else besides a mother, you know. Well, you will know when you get grown up. You can't explain everything to a child. Now, go on, run along. Well, what are you waiting for? Go on. All right. All right. Molly. Oh, God. Miss Laurel Dallas daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Dallas, this evening becomes the bride of Mr. Richard Grosvenor III in a ceremony to be held in the Fifth Avenue home of her parents. Look, is everything ready? Yes, ma'am. Look at those curtains, Brooks. I told you they weren't to be drawn. Open them, please. I beg your pardon, ma'am, but if the wedding is to be held in this room... Well... It makes it a bit public, ma'am. Perhaps. But I want those curtains open, please. Very good, ma'am. Helen. Yes, dear? Is that for... for her? Yes. She'll be out there, watching from the street. I know she will. You're sweet, Helen. I... I've got to go see Laurel. Laurel, are you... Almost ready? Yes. What's this? You're crying. Oh, my darling. I was just thinking. I never really thought that my mother... Oh, I thought that she would read about the wedding. Even though she was too far away to come, at least she'd write to me. Oh, my dear. Do you think that if she knew, any distance in the world would keep her away? Do you think she just doesn't know? I think... I know she loves you, darling. 
thing. Cut those seats, huh? <laughs> all right, all right. Don't shut. Break it up, man. Come on. Come on. Break it up. You too, lady. Move along now. Oh, please. Please, let me stay a minute. Just, just let me see her face when he kisses her, please. All right. Now you've seen it. You happy? Oh, yes. Yes, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, our play has ended, but our stars return with Mr. DeMille in just a moment. We just want to mention those who so ably made up tonight's cast. They were Lou Merrill as Ed Munn, Bruce Satterley as Cornelius Morrison, Jack Egger as Leo Morrison, Dickie Jones as John Morrison, Wallace Roberts as Mr. Cooper, Sada Cowan as Mrs. Cooper, Hudson Fawcett as Mr. Chandler, Grace Kern as Carrie, James Eagles as Charlie, Teresa Harris as Edna, Frank Nelson as Mr. Morley, Elia Bracca as secretary, Margaret Brayton as Lynn, Joan Taylor as Doris, Margaret McKay as telegraph girl, Mary Lansing as a mill girl, Ross Forrester as Pullman Porter, and Alexander Lockwood as a policeman. Miss Stanwyck, whose next picture is Breakfast for Two, appeared through courtesy of RKO Studios, as did Miss Shirley. Another hit film from this studio is Stage Door, starring Ginger Rogers, Catherine Hepburn, and Adolf Manjou. Mr. DeMille is from Paramount, where John Bowles is now filming The Yellow Nightingale. Louis Silver's 20th Century Fox, where he was in charge of music for Lancer Spy. Stella Dallas will soon be heard on the air in serial form. Back now to Mr. DeMille. Once again, the curtains part for our stars, Barbara Stanwyck, John Bowles, and Anne Shirley. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say congratulations to the Lux Radio, Radio Theater on his third birthday. As for Stella Dallas, the picture in the radio play, I'm very thankful indeed to have been in it. But the real honors belong to Barbara and Ann. Barbara had to go 20 years older and really look it. And Ann had the job of appearing as a 13-year-old girl. And I think even Ann will admit she's a little bit more than that. <laughs> well, I didn't have to use much makeup to look 13, but poor Barbara had to go around loaded down like a moving van. But I loved it. Cheaply, I suppose, because it was such a fine character part. Well, I've changed. I've been accused of aging players without resorting to makeup. I think our listeners would like to know, Barbara, just what we do to add 15 or 20 years to a player's appearance. <laughs> well, it's, it's all a matter of upholstering the hips, stomachs, and ankles. It's done with cotton padding, and it makes you feel a bit like a football player. The pouches I had under my eyes, the lines and wrinkles on my face were done with paint and brush, and so were my hands. I put sags in my cheeks by stuffing my mouth with rolls of cotton, just like the dentist uses when he says, this is going to hurt us just a little. 
Yes, if you happen to see me in the picture, you'd swear I never was near a cake of Lux toilet soap in my life. I certainly looked awful. But don't you worry, Mr. DeMille. Barbara wouldn't be without Lux soap for anything, judging from the way I saw her use it in her dressing room. Neither would I. I think it's grand. And you'll find Lux soap in my home, too, just as you did on the set. For a nice, smooth complexion, there's nothing like it. And again, about Anne's age, it may interest you to know that although she played the daughter of Barbara and me in the picture and on the radio... She isn't old enough to vote yet. Yeah, still, she's been in pictures much longer than either of you. Seventeen years. That's because I started off as a baby. <laughs> she's had four names. Yes, I was born Dawn Paris, then I changed it to Dawn O'Day, then to Anne Shirley, and last August I acquired the name I like best of all, Mrs. John Howard Payne. Thank you all, and oh. good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Now a word about next Monday night. Picture a young husband. <laughs> Picture a young husband who quits his job to turn writer. A young wife who becomes a dancer in order that he may eat while waiting for success. Then you have the premise of that sophisticated comedy of modern times, Up Pops the Devil. One of our brightest hits when it played on Broadway and a great success on the screen. The play comes to our microphone next Monday night starring Fred McMurray and Madge Evans. Join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Fred McMurray and Madge Evans in Up Pops the Devil. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.